بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا مولانا محمد النبي الأمي الأمين وعلى آله وصحابته أجمعين وبعد إن شاء الله تعالى we'll spend this Saturday and the following two Saturdays talking about a topic that is quite essential for the life of every not just every Muslim but every human being because it represents the uh, the life of a human being. Our life is made of time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the value of time in the Quran. His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke about the value of time in the Sunnah. And the scholars of the past have achieved what they managed to achieve only because they managed to use and utilize their time. And people of different walks from different walks of life, philosophers, uh, traders, manufacturers, and different individuals, different groups of people have valued time. Even though the value of time differs according to which walk of life you come from. So for a philosopher, for example, the value of time differs from the value of time to a trader. For a person who uh, drives the bus, the value of time, the value of a minute, is, is, means money to him. For a businessman, a minute or an hour or a day is, is valuable because it has a monetary value. For a person who is going to, look, to lose his life, the, the value of time is not monetary anymore. It's actually way beyond that. It means his life or it equals his life. Therefore, we can see that the value, the time is something that is valuable, regardless of what is the value of the, of the time according to the person, but there is almost ijma', there is almost unanimous agreement between all people from all walks of life that time is something that's valuable. How it is valued by them differs according to their position, differs according to what it actually means to them. If it means money to some people, it might mean life to some other people, it might mean uh, death to some other people, it might mean loads of other things. And specifically for the students of knowledge and the teachers of knowledge and the people of ibadah. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said that on the Day of Judgment, people will be regretful for not using their time for ibadah, for the minutes, right? So what we will be discussing and the way we'll be looking at the value of time, inshallah ta'ala, is from the perspective of how the, what does it represent to the people of knowledge? What does it represent to the people of, uh, of, of ma'rifah? What does it represent to the people of ibadah? Obviously, time is one of the blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted us with. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran uh, that the, the blessings of Allah, if we want to count them, we will never be able to enumerate them. We will not be able to enumerate them, we will not be able to recognize their real value. Because of a few factors, number one, the multiplicity of these blessings. There are so many of them. And the continuity of these blessings. We will never be able to uh, know and recognize the value of, of something because it's continuously, it's non-stop. When, when something is, is given to you non-stop, you never appreciate it. There are loads of things that we don't appreciate only because we take them for granted by the lapse of time. So for example, your health. You never appreciate your health until it stops. Your life. 
you never appreciate your life until it stops. So the fact that something is continuous, a blessing is continuous, that is one of the ways in which we depreciate it, in which we never evaluate it. And because of ease as well, because it's easy, it is accessible. And what is easy, what is within your reach, you will never appreciate it. You will never appreciate it because it's actually within your reach. When there is money within your reach, you never appreciate it. When uh, there is uh, uh, clothing within your reach, you will never appreciate it. When there is food, when there is surplus, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرْيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً يَأْتِيهَا رِزْقُهَا رَغَدًا مِنْ كُلِّ مَكَانٍ Allah has given an example, a similitude of a village that were relaxed. They were relaxed and they were safe in terms of their food. Their rizq comes from every place. Only when they disbelieved in the blessings of Allah, Allah made them taste the taste of, of starvation. Because they had this easy access. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Quraysh that one of the blessings he has given them that they never appreciate is the fact that they live in a safe place in Mecca. While other tribes all over Arabia, they couldn't actually be safe in their own tents and their own dwellings. So, these great blessings of Allah that are magnificent, that are continuous, that are within our reach, that are always in, 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 in surplus and in increase, these blessings, we can divide them into what we call al-ni'am al-usul wa al-ni'am al-furu'. There are essential blessings and there are blessings that, that are not essential in our life. Or we, we can call them basic blessings. These basic or these foundational blessings are needed for the enjoyment of everything else. For example, one of the usul al-ni'am, one of the essential blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us is iman. Isn't it? Iman, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an essential blessing. Why is it an essential blessing? Because without iman you will not enjoy in akhirah. A person who is deprived of iman, yes he might enjoy in this life, but he will not realize the value of the afterlife. So when it comes to the afterlife, he will not, be, he will not have any share. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the disbelievers in akhirah, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَلَّا يَجْعَلَ لَهُمْ حَظًّا فِي الْآخِرَةِ Allah will not give them a fortune in the hereafter. So that means they, out of this life and the hereafter, imagine the, the hereafter is eternity, and this life is 60, 70 years. So their enjoyment is only 70, 60 years, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years, 200 years, depending on their life. But for the rest of eternity, they don't enjoy anything because of the lack of iman. So because of the lack of Iman, they are deprived of loads of other things. Another ni'mah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us as a foundational ni'mah that is used for other things. So you can imagine, obviously with Iman, you enjoy salah, you enjoy zakah, you enjoy the feeling of connection to Allah. You enjoy the feeling that there is someone you can complain to at times of, of, of need and times of distress. That's a, that's, a, that's a ni'mah that is there only because there is iman. So if there was no iman, you will not re return to anyone. You will not have a God to return to. Right? For those who worship idols and those who worship things that cannot benefit them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنْتَبْعُوهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُوا دُعَاءَهُمْ If you call upon them, they will not listen to you. And if they even hear you, they will not be able to respond to your call. Right? So with this, 
we understand that we have a blessing which is the blessing of Iman. Because of this foundational blessing, we can enjoy the fact that we can raise our hands and ask for, ask for something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to us. Because of Iman, you enjoy the company of believers. Everywhere you go, you can easily recognize that there is a mosque there, there is a community of believers, you can just join in. Because of Iman, you can enjoy the blessing of Tahara, purification, something simple that we, that we never think about. Wudu, the cleanliness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned in his hadith, hadith sahih, Imagine if there is a river right in front of your door. And he washes himself five times every day from that river. Will there be any dirt on his body after five times of washing? They said, no way. There will be no dirt in the body after washing yourself from a river right in front of your door five times a day. This is how the prayers are. Allah eliminates the deeds, the bad deeds through them. In another hadith, the Prophet said, You burn yourselves, and then when you pray dhuhr, it washes off. And then you burn yourselves, and then when you pray asr, it washes off. And then you burn yourselves, and when you pray maghrib, it washes it. And then you burn yourselves, and when you pray isha, you wash yourself. Then you go to your bed, and you're clean. Then fajr, you start your day with fajr. So with this in mind, we will not be able to enjoy salah and the value of salah and the value of ibadah and the value of wudu except with that. To the level that, uh, you know, as, as some of the, the salihin used to say, to the, to the level that if there is any mercy that is manifested in this universe, if you feel mercy towards your children, if you feel mercy towards your wife, if you feel mercy towards stones and animals and things that are here, it is because of the Iman. To the level that animals feel or enjoy the blessing of the Iman of the one who slaughters them because he has to do it with Rahmah, isn't it? That the level that animals will see the difference and will recognize the difference between a believer and a disbeliever. Because a disbeliever, how he is going to kill the animals? Shocking them, shooting them. But a believer who applies the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ will have to hide his uh, knife. First of all, the Prophet ﷺ instructed that we should hide our knife. We shouldn't show it to the animals. And then when you... Kill the animal, when you slaughter the animal, you slaughter it in a specific way that makes the experience of death for the animal a very merciful one. In Allah Allah has written excellence in everything. When you kill, you have to kill in an excellent way. And when you slaughter, you slaughter in an excellent way. That's because of Iman, isn't it? So it's because of Iman a person feels the duty to do it in this way. So Iman is a foundational blessing that we enjoy loads of other things because of it. One of the foundational blessings that we have in our life as well is sihha, health. Having health is because of having health you're able to enjoy your tea. Is because of having health you're able to see people. Is because of enjoying health you're able to touch your clothes and you feel the difference between silk and cotton and velvet. It is because of health that you're able to smell the roses 
and feel the sweetness and differentiate between different smell. You're able even to differentiate between food that is gone off and food that is not gone off. So you will not eat the one that is gone off. You, then you save yourself from poison, from food poisoning. It is because of health that you're able to differentiate between good voices and bad voices. Nice sounds and ba bad sounds. It's because of this faculty. It is because of health that you're able to know the difference between juice and water. When you have some disturbance for your health, you won't be able to enjoy that. You'll feel that water actually tastes completely different. As Al-Busiri says, That sometimes the mouth will deny the taste of water because it is sick, because you're ill. So this is one of the foundational blessings that we have, health. We take it for granted. If you ask someone at his old age and you tell him, what would you like to do? What would you like to have? He will say health, isn't it? If you are asked to exchange your health for money, you will say, no, I want to keep, to keep health. Why? Because with health you can get money. But with money you cannot get health. Right? So health is an essential blessing, foundational blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of the foundational blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well is knowledge. Knowledge. Having knowledge. To know what is halal and what is haram. To know what is proper and what is not proper. To save yourself from the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of your jahl. Imagine if someone doesn't know the etiquette of behaving among these people. He will fall into a lot of traps. Imagine if someone doesn't read English, for example. Doesn't know how to read or write. How is he going to save himself in, in an airport, in a bus station? How would, you, how would he know? He will be like a blind man. He needs someone to help him read the signals, isn't it? So without knowledge, that basic thing, right? You will suffer a lot in your day-to-day -day life. You will need something very, very simple. Imagine a person who was unable to, uh, to, to read or write. A mother who was unable to read or write. And she has a son who lives abroad. And he sends her letters and messages. She needs to call her neighbor, a little child, every other day to read these letters for her. And then that's, that person manipulates your privacy. Isn't it? That person manipulates your privacy only because you don't know how to read or write. So that's an essential blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we counted some essential blessings. We counted iman, we counted health, we counted knowledge. But one of the most essential blessings, if not the most essential blessing after iman is time. Having time. Life. Right? Because time is life. Because without time, you won't be able to do any of this. Without time, you won't be able to manifest your iman. Without time, you will not be able to enjoy the ibadah. Without time in this life, you will not be able to enjoy the afterlife. And time is a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is so primordial. It is so primordial. Meaning, every individual has a clock in him. It's one of the gifts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed not only human beings with, but every primordial nature, every, every uh, being has it. Has this clock that is related to him. A baby can't come before nine months. If it comes, it will be premature. Isn't it? A specific plant will need to grow according to a specific cycle. Even a butterfly, even a worm inside its cocoon, it will take some specific amount of time in order to be ready to come out. Without that, this is, 
What do we call this? We call this the cycle of life. So time represents that cycle of life. And every being, every creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciates that. Because for them it means life. Except one being that does not appreciate time enough, that is human beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, to remind us of the value of time, Allah الذي خلق السماوات والأرض وأنزل من السماء ماء فأخرج به من الثمرات رزقا لكم It is Allah who has created heavens and earth and sent down water from the skies, from the heavens so that he brought forth plantation for you وسخر لكم الفلك لتجري في البحر بأمر He, he uh, subjugated the, the ship for you so that it runs in the, in the sea with his command and then he continues by saying, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ الْأَنْهَارِ And the rivers as well. وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ دَائِبَيْنِ He has subjugated the sun and the moon for you. دائبين. The word da'aba in Arabic means to work diligently. To work diligently. سَخَّرَ لَكُمُ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ دَائِبَيْنِ Means the sun and the moon are diligent in doing their job. The sun never comes five minutes late. It comes on time. The moon appears at the beginning of the lunar month and disappears this cycle of the moon. Starting from a hilal, a crescent, to mihaq, to a moon that is completely dimmed, to a full moon, to a battle, the, the, the full moon in the middle of the month. It is a very organized cycle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no time when the sun said, can I have a holiday today? There is no time when the moon said, can I be excused from appearing? I feel tired. That is to show us the value of our life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ He has given you the night and the day. وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ As a way of helping you to invest your life and utilize your time. In another place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ اللَّيْلُ وَالنَّهَارِ وَالشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرِ One of his miracles is the day and the night, the sun and the moon, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also spoke about himself as the owner of time. The owner of time, the one who controls the time. To him belongs that which is in, in, in the day and that in the night. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blames individuals for not using their time, for having the chance of living a long life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that on the day of judgment in, in hellfire, Allah will speak to the disbelievers and say, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرُ Haven't we given you long life? Enough to remember, to be reminded, to take admonition. أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ عَمَّرَ means to live long. We say, Fulan Mu'ammar, so-and-so, has lived a long life when he is 60 or 70 or 80 plus. To the level that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in another hadith, and Imam Ibn Kathir says in comment on this uh, ayah, didn't you live a long life in dunya to get admonition in such a long life? So Imam Qatada says, Bear in mind that long life is something that will be against you. Living a long life will be against you. Imam al-Bukhari narrates in Sahih al-Bukhari, from Sayyidina Abu Rayra, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أعذر الله عز وجل إلى امرئ أخر عمره حتى بلغ ستين سنة Allah has made all excuses for a person 
who has lived enough to complete 60 years on this earth. If you live 60 years, you have no excuse with Allah. A'adhar Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made every excuse. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you enough time to receive his warnings. In Imam Ahmad, man ammarahu Allah ta'ala sitina sana, he whom Allah gives life of 60 years, فَقَدْ أَعْذَرَهُ اللَّهُ فَقَدْ أَعْذَرَ إِلَيْهِ فِي الْعُمْرِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, 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 has no excuse. Well, he has no excuse anymore regarding his life. If someone lived 60 years, right? Some of the salihin back in the days, Imam Suyuti rahimahullah, at the age of 40, he abandoned people. And he lived his life in his own house, writing books, teaching, and... Just preparing for, the, for his akhirah. Some of the salihin at the age of 40, they used to start digging their grave. One of the righteous people back in the days, at the age of 40, he dug his grave inside his house. In one of the rooms of his house. And every night before he goes to sleep, he would go down to his grave and pray rak'atin. And do as many khatamat of the Qur'an, recite as much Qur'an as he could in his grave. Because he knows that this is his life. This is his real life. If a man lives 60 years, truly he's very close to his end. Truly he's very close to his destination. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the times of the day in oaths in the Quran. By the night when it overcomes and overwhelms. By the night when it leaves. By the night when it spreads. فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالشَّفَقُ وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا وَسَقُ I am to swear with the shafaq, with the, with the dusk. وَالْفَجْرِ with the fajr. وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرِ وَالضُّحَى with the, with the bloom of the day. وَالْعَصْرِ by time. And Imam Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah comments on this by saying, Ibn Al-Qayyim, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes oaths with only honorable things. Only with honorable things. And he, with honorable things, for honorable things. He makes an oath with an honorable thing, only for an honorable thing. And when he subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to make an oath with time, he chose it for the most honorable things. Two things. One, is that Allah will never leave the Prophet sallallahu your Lord has never left you. Your Lord has never abandoned you. That's something very crucial and very essential and very important. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes oath with time for that important purpose. And the second, that man is in real loss. Your time is, is wearing out. Wal'asr, inna al-insana lafi truly man is in complete loss. Imam Fakhreddin al-Razi rahimahullah ta'ala commenting on this as well, saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken an oath with time because of the miracles that happen in time. Good times, bad times, right? You remember all of these experiences, these difficult experiences and these good experiences that, that formulate your life. What is time? What is life? It is marriage and death. It is being born and it is having children and it is losing your parents and it is losing your mother, losing your beloved ones and having your beloved ones. That's what time is. If you sum up what time is, you remember dates, 
right? It is times of ease when you had money and times of difficulty when you had no money. It is times of ease when you had health and times of difficulty when you were very weak. It is moments of being close to Allah and moments where you be, be far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's time. That's what time is made of. So as, the, as he continues, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, for nothing is equal to life. Life is more precious than anything. Time is more precious than anything. That if you spend a thousand years in nonsense and frivolity, and then, and then you return to Allah for a moment, that single moment is far better than a thousand years. If you live a thousand years, a thousand years, and spend them in frivolity and playfulness, and, and we know all the hadith of the man who killed 99 souls. This man spent a whole life in criminality, killing 99 people. And then he completed that by asking a scholar, will I ever be accepted if I repent? And the scholar said, no. So he killed him, completed a hundred souls. Life of criminality. And then he asked about another scholar. When he asked him the question, can I, if I repent now, will Allah accept me? He said, no one can stop you from repenting to Allah. This man, this killer, this murderer, he had the intention of turning to Allah. He was told by that scholar, look, your problem is you have a bad company in your area. You just need to move to another village. For there are good people there. You worship Allah with them and Allah will forgive you, inshallah. He made his way. He made his journey from his village to the other village. And half the way, death came, came upon him. He died. With what? With an intention. With an intention. With a moment of sincerity. With a moment of sincerity. And then the angels started disputing regarding the destiny of this man. Shall he be counted as a resident of hellfire or as a resident of paradise? How shall we estimate his life? He spent a whole lifespan in disobedience and one minute in obedience. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent an angel to judge between them in the form of a man. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the village of the evil people to go far and the village of the good people to come nearer. So they measured and they found him closer to the people, the righteous people. That's one minute. Sayyidina Asim ibn Thabit ibn Waqsh radiallahu ta'ala an, the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, accepted Islam in the battle of Badr or the battle of Wahid, one of the battles. As soon as he accepted Islam, he did not even pray one single rak'ah. Not even a single rak'ah. He, the Prophet وسلم, said, whoever fights for the peace of now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept him. If he dies, he will enter paradise. He went to the battlefield, accepting Islam, went directly to the battlefield. And he died. After the battle, after the battle they found him dead. The Prophet وسلم, said, the woman, Ahlul Jannah, he's one of the people of paradise. It's one minute. It's one minute. The ends of our lives decide where we are going, isn't it? You spend all your life asking Allah for personal khatima, isn't it? For good ending. That's the most challenging thing. To have a good ending. That you might spend a whole life in serving people and looking after them and being a good person. And then towards the end of your life, you change. <coughs> and that you, you never know how your life is going to end. So one minute, one, one point in, in time 
could be equal to long, very, very, very long life. One of the Salihin used to say, لو علمت أن الله تعالى قبل مني عبادة ركعة واحدة ما صليت بعد ذلك. If I only know that Allah has accepted one rak'ah from me, I wouldn't have to pray anymore. If if I know, if I'm sure. They even mention about Shaykh al-Islam al-Taqi al-Subki rahimahullah that a man saw him washing his face from the river and doing wudu and washing more than one time. Washing more than three times. So the man came to him and he said, a simple man, he said, how are you, why are you washing more than three times? Don't you know that it is makruh to wash more than three times? This is extravagance in using water. So one of the pastors by looked at him and he said, don't you know who is this? This is Shaykh al-Islam. A subki, you shouldn't speak to him like that. So the man apologized and the Shaykh told him, I'm sorry, it's all right. I just want you to know that if I knew that the three have been done properly and have been accepted, I wouldn't have washed anymore. Right? So if a person, right, that's why they, they mention about Malik ibn Dinar or some of the tabi'een, that he was seen after his death. And then, or Shu'bah, uh, one of the imams of the Qira'at, was seen also after his death. Various narrations of the same occasion. So he was asked, what did Allah do to you? He said, I was... I was, I was told, what have you prepared for to be saved from hellfire? And he said, I have done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I didn't accept any of that. So you might, and then finally he said, I asked Allah for his rahmah, for his mercy. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, then, then we put you in Jannah because of our rahmah. So it is important to know that one minute, one minute can be more beneficial than a long life that is spent in futile, then what about spending a whole life in good deeds? That would be a completely different thing. That's why the Prophet said the hadith narrated by Ibn Abbas There are two blessings. Two blessings. A lot of people are deceived into them. Deception in trade is when you sell something with a very exaggerated price or very underestimated price. So if something is for 10 pounds and you sell it for 20 pounds, then you have deceived the, sell, the buyer, isn't it? You have deceived the buyer because he's bought it over-exaggerated. Or if someone bought it from you for 2 pounds, then he has deceived the seller. Why? Because he has cheated you. So you are either a loser or he is a loser. So the Prophet ﷺ, we call this غبن. غبن is when the person is done some harm and some damage either because he buys something at a very high price or he sells something at a very low price so in both situations one person is done غبن, is done a form of deception and damage so the Prophet ﷺ says loads of people, many people are done غبن, are done a lot of damage because of two blessings health leisure time You've got nothing to do. These two blessings, you have them, you don't appreciate them. You think that, you know what, I'm healthy, I'll be able to, to continue like that. A lot of people are deceived into believing that they have health, and this health will continue for a long time. And then all of a sudden he dies at the, at the age of 35, or 37, or 40. Then his health that he thought will continue, 
is cut. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests him with a disease that makes him completely unable to do things. He becomes completely unable to do things overnight, in one minute, in a second. He thinks that he's got health, and the other is al-farag, free time. He thinks that, I'm, I have time. And Imam ibn al-Jawzi says, the thing is, none of us will ever have these two together. <laughs> none of us will ever have these two together. You have health, you have so much busy time. Young people are busy. Why? They're active. They have so much health. But when you have free time, you're very weak. You're an old man. 65, 70. You're unable to do things. But you have time. But at young age, when you have so much health and so much energy, you, need, you have too many needs. You need to get married. You need to buy a house. You need to establish yourself in life. You, need, you have loads of engagements that leave no time for you. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That leave no time for you to invest in your real life. That's the life of the hereafter. The other, on the other side, a person might have, no, might have too much free time, but he has no health. If, for example, la qaddar Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us anew, if you, it happened to you that you broke your both legs, you won't be going to work, isn't it? You'll have free time from work. But you won't be able to do anything either. You'll be in bed, isn't it? If you've broken your hand like me. Yes, you will have free time. But you will not be able to do a lot of things as well. So you either have health or you have free time. But what if both of them, if you have both of them? If you have both of them. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that if a person has Istighna, he is, he's, in terms of money and wealth, he is well established. And in terms of health, he is relaxed. And then he doesn't use that. Then he's battal. He's useless. He's useless. His life will be useless. So the individual who has wealth, a person who has wealth, the Prophet makes similarity here between life and wealth. If you have capital and you're a businessman and you trade, you have to be cautious. You have to be cautious to protect your money. To be saved from deception, you have to be cautious. Number one, you need to know whom you're dealing with, isn't it? Whom you're dealing with in business. You don't deal with dodgy people who will be stealing your money and taking it away. And at the se secondly, you've got to be honest in your business so that people will build a good profile for you. And number three, you've got to be smart. You've got to be smart to know what to invest in. Same thing with your life. Your life is like a capital. Is like wealth. Number one, you need to know whom should you spend it with. As much as you know that you, you need to know whom you should deal with in business, you should also know whom you should spend your life with. Because if you spend it with the wrong people, it will be similar to trading with the wrong people. The wrong people will steal your money and the wrong companions will steal your life. Number two, you've got to be honest. How? If you are honest in business, you will build a good profile. And if you're honest with yourself in terms of what are the defects that you have, what are the problems that you have, you will be able to make up for these and fix them. Then you will not be spending your life deceiving yourself. You might not be deceived by others, but you might be deceived by yourself, thinking that you are good, 
Your ibadah is good, but it's lack, it's, it's doesn't have any sincerity in it. And number three, you've got to be smart to know what to invest in, what to use your money in, what type of business you can invest in. Same thing with your life. You need to know what to spend your life in. Sometimes people lose their life only because they made the worst choices, isn't it? Only because they made the worst choices. Sometimes you think, you know what, uh, I'm a good trader. And he's not a good trader at all. If he was to consult an, an, an experienced man, a sage, he would have told him, don't start any business, you're not good for business. Sometimes even seekers of knowledge, they lose their life because they spend all their life trying to learn something that they are not qualified for. Someone wants to learn mathematics. And his mind, he doesn't have mathematical mentality. Or he wants to be an accountant. He spends four years of his life doing something that he never loved. And he's not qualified for. Then four years of your life are gone. In vain. That's why some of the salihin back in the days, they said that one of the duties of a teacher is to tell the student what he's good for. One of the duties of a teacher is to tell the student what he is good for because before he starts it. Because by telling him what he's good for, he saves him a lot of hassle. You try mathematics and you're not good for it. Then you leave it and move to something else. And then you try, for example, uh, uh, you try engineering. And then you leave that. And then you go and someone wants to learn fiqh. And he doesn't have the fiqh mentality. He doesn't have the mentality of becoming a jurist. A jurist. Or a scholar. In that sense. Or another person wants to learn Arabic. Wants to become a linguist. And he doesn't have the mentality to learn linguistics. So he spends five years, two years trying and then uh, trying and failing, <coughs> right? And then he, he, it's gone. Just like someone who wants to become a barber and he doesn't have any talent in his hands. Possibly his talent is in his brain. He would rather be good for something else. There's something called al-hiraf, professions, and there's something called al-khawabil, the ability, the malaka, the talent. Do you have the talent for that? They say, for example, this person is good with money, is good with numbers, isn't it? You say, Fulan, so-and-so is good with numbers. Fulan is good with poetry. Fulan is good with this. Fulan is good with that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us with different abilities. The most intelligent individual is the one who knows what is his ability and what he's good for. Because by doing that, you save yourself the trouble. You save yourself the trouble, some of the... Students in the past, they would come to their teachers and they want to learn hadith. And the sheikh would say, you know what? You're no good for hadith. You better go and learn grammar. And then he spends his lifetime, his lifetime in grammar. And then he realizes that he's become a, a beacon of, 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 of that. An icon. A luminary in that field. Only because that individual has, has known he was smart enough to know what should he invest his life in. If we look for the good business that we should invest in, then we should also look for the good business that we invest our life in. You will not open a butcher shop in a space where there is four or five. Isn't it? If there is like four or five butcher shops, you will not open another butcher shop. Because how many people will be demanding your meat? There is 50 people in the area and there is three butcher shops. That means the business is going down. Right? You will not open a, a, a barber shop next to three or four barbers. 
Because how many people, how many heads will people have? Everyone has only one head, right? So how many heads you will be shaving? How many heads you will be cutting? Not much, right? So you know what businesses are needed in the area, right? You should know also what businesses are needed in your life to invest your life. As Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked, and why is that? And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, A lot of people, as much as a lot of Muslims and a lot of people make their own businesses and they fail and then they try to pick up, a lot of people are lost in, this, in these two blessings. They never evaluate them. They never evaluate the value of their health and the value of their life. Life and time is so important because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you on the day of Qiyamah about it. It is one of the four essential questions. In fact, it occupies half, 50% of the questions that will be asked on the day of Qiyamah. The Prophet ﷺ said, Hadith Mu'ad ibn Jabal, لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة Another hadith by Abi Barza al-Aslami, لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل on the day of judgment, your feet will not move on from the place of being questioned until you're asked about. About his life. What has he used his life for? By his knowledge. What have you done with your knowledge? And obviously you use your life to earn your knowledge. So your life occupies this as well. And about his wealth, where did you get it from and what, what did you spend it on? And that again relates to life. Your health, what did you wear, wear it out in? So Sayyidina Rasulullah showed us in this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you about your life. Because life in, in essence is the compilation of all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to you. Whether it is wealth, whether it is money, whether it is uh, knowledge, all of these are actually components of life. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you about your life, when He subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you about your life, your life could be invested in wealth, could be invested in collecting wealth and spending it, collecting knowledge and spending it, looking after your, your, your health. And all of this is actually part and parcel of life. As the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned. That's why we say that your time is your life. And your life is your capital. And every breath that you have is a pill. Every time you breathe in and you breathe out, you're spending. Every time you're breathing in and you're breathing out, in fact you're just breathing out. Every minute that passes in your life, your credit is going down. Your credit never goes up in the same way. But there is another credit. So you need to make sure that this credit that is going down is balanced with another credit that goes up. You don't want this credit to go down and the other credit remains zero. Right? It is like a transfer. Our life is credit transfer. Some people don't transfer their credit. They take it and they spend it. Others need to transfer. So when you transfer, it depends how much of that you will save and transfer. How much of the credit that you will have saved, be saved or transferred. And how much of that will just be used in futile. 
you know that if you have 50 pounds in this bank, this 50 pounds, after 10 days or 50 days, they will be taken away from you completely. But you have a space from now till 50 days to transfer them every day to transfer a pound to the other, another bank account and then you have it forever. In that bank account there are no limits on that. Some people might just forget but you have a limit every day. One pound every day. Some people will just neglect. Depending how many days do you neglect. If you neglect 50 days then you run out. The 50 pounds are gone. If you neglect 25 days then you have 25 pounds. If you neglect 40 days, then you have only 10 pounds. Depends how many days have you plan- are you planning to neglect. Al-Ghazali, Imam Al-Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala says, وَأَوْقَاتُكَ عُمْرُكَ Your time is your life. وَعُمْرُكَ رَأْسُ And your life is your wealth, is your capital. وَعَلَيْهِ تِجَارَتُكَ Your business depends on that. Depends on your capital. وَبِهِ وُصُولُكَ إِلَى نَعِيمِ الْأَبَدِ It is through your time that you will achieve eternal bliss. Every breath that you have is like a peel. It doesn't have a value if you don't use this peel. If you don't transfer it into something that you benefit with it in the akhirah. So he says, Don't be like the fool. Who are happy with increase in their life. Celebrating their birthdays, celebrating that they are 40 or 50 or 60. They think that this increase, in fact, it's not. What is the value if your money is increasing and your life is decreasing? The, re- the reality is, with that immense amount of wealth, you will not have the time to spend it enough. You spend all your life. Collecting money to spend this, this money on health issues <coughs> and problems and health damage later on. فَلَا تَفْرَحْ He says, إِلَّا بِزِيَادَةِ عِلْمٍ أَوْ عَمَلٍ Don't be happy except with increase in knowledge and in deeds. Good deeds and knowledge. فَإِنَّهُمَا رَفِيقَانِكَ These are your two companions. You, these are your two companions. And that's why one of the one of the men's of letter, Abu Al-Fatih Ahmad ibn Mutarif al-Asqalani, says, إِذْ يُنْفِقُ الْعُمْرُ إِذْ يُنْفَقُ الْعُمْرُ فِي الدُّنْيَا مُجَازَفَةً وَالْمَالُ يُنْفَقُ فِيهَا بِالْمَوَازِينِ We spend life, we spend our life haphazardly, without counting, but we spend money with good accounts. Showing us the value. What do we do? When we sp- when if you ask someone for an hour on the phone, they will give it. But if you ask someone for a hundred pounds, they will think twice about it. And if you ask someone for consultancy, one hundred pounds is equal to one hour. But when you give them hundred pounds, uh, imagine if someone works for a day, eight hours, and his wages per day, let's say, two hundred pounds. If you ask him to spend that day in watching television, he will do. But if you ask him to give you 200 pounds, he will think twice. Even if you ask him to donate that to the masjid, he will think twice. Before he does that. Why? Because, We spend our life 
haphazardly, without any, without any calculation. Ibn Atayillah Sakandari Rahimullah says, La tunfiq anfasaka fi ghayri ta'atillah. Don't spend your breath in anything other than obeying Allah. Wala tanzur ila sigharin nafas. Don't belittle your breath. Don't say it is... Don't say it just a, a second. Don't belittle your breath. Balunzur ila miqdarih. But think about the value of the breath. وَإِلَى مَا يُعْطِ, ما يعطى اللَّهُ فِيهِ الْعَبْدِ For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you immense things. This breath can go out and never come back. That's the end of your life. How much will you pay to buy relaxed breath if you have chest problem? If you have asthma and you're unable to breathe properly and someone tells you while you are breathing and you feel this contraction in your chest and the need for the pump to boost you breathing, and someone says, well, I can give you relaxed chest for 200 pounds. You will be spending your, your wealth to buy that. And he says, Rahimullah Ta'ala, Ibn Ata'illah Sakandari, for your breath is pills. Have you ever seen someone putting pills in the dustbin? Have you ever seen someone putting gold in the, in the, in the trash? No one does that. And he says, مَا مِنْ نَفَسٍ with every breath that you have, Allah manifests some of His qadr, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests some of His qadr. They say, This is the sustenance that you live on. Your breath, your life. And bearing in mind as well that one of the stations of the travelers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the stations, we all travel to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But some people in the middle of this trouble, in the middle of this long journey, they lose their track and they go in different directions. So someone goes out to look for money. <coughs> How much time is he going to spend on that and then come back to the track? Allahu A'lam. He might be spending all his time on the track in looking for something that is not actually the right track. And by the time he comes back, the competition is over. The race is over. The track has come to an end. Possibly he remembers that, you know what, this is not the right track. Imagine if traveling north, and then you started actually traveling south. A complete, or you start, start traveling north, and then all of a sudden something has distracted your attention, so you came off the, the main road. You came off the highway. You came off the main road. Then how, how long will you be spending on this side road besides if you're going to be there on time or not. Isn't it? Imagine if you have to catch a train at 7 o'clock and you have only one hour. And then you decided to... Keep, something distracted you from your journey. And depends how long are you going to spend on that. The time you spend on that side thing decides if you'll be able to make it to the train on time or not. You might be out in that side uh, distraction for the whole hour. And then you, you miss your train completely. Some people miss the value of their life completely. So one of the stations of the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the time. Imam Al-Harawi mentions in Manazil al-Sairin, وَمِن مَنَازِلِهِمْ الْوَقْتِ One of the stations of the travelers to Allah is time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Musa alayhi salam, ثُمَّ جِئْتَ عَلَىٰ قَدَرٍ يَا Musa. You came on time, O Moses. You came on time. Ibn al-Qayyim says, وَجْهُ اسْتِشْهَادِهِ تَعَالَى بِالْقَدَرِ Because 
Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word qadr to refer to the time. Because Arabs say, جَاءَ فُلَانٌ عَلَىٰ قَدَرٌ so and so has come on time when he comes in the, t- in the time that is suitable for his coming. When, for example, you need someone, he's very needed, the doctor arrives on time to save the patient. You say, He has come on time. He has come on the right time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Moses, you have come on the right time. Musa alayhi salam was so keen about his time. Jarir mentions, نَالَ الْخِلَافَةَ أَوْ كَانَتْ لَهُ قَدَرًا كَمَا أَتَى رَبَّهُ مُوسَى عَلَىٰ قَدَرٍ He has achieved candidate or it was the right position for him in the same manner as Moses came to his Lord at the right time. When someone arrives in the right time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi salam at certain time. Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala says I have been in the company of people of spirituality and I have benefited from them with two things. Number one, الوقت سيف. Time is like a sword. فإن قطعته, you either use the time, وإلا قطعت, or otherwise it will cut you. ونفسك إن لم تشغلها بالحق, وإلا شغلتك بالباطل. If you don't use your, your, if you don't keep your nafs, your ego busy with goodness, it will keep you busy with nonsense. You know, we say in English, a Satan finds work for an idle hand. So same thing. If you have nothing to do, it doesn't mean you're free. There is no free man. A free man is a dead man. Right? So you can't actually be free. Your ego is either busy with something good or it is busy with something bad. The one who is not in increase is actually in decrease. Whether he thinks that he is or not. And inshallah ta'ala over the coming uh, two times, over the coming two weeks, inshallah ta'ala will continue uh, looking into real examples, real stories, real examples and real principles from the life of our Salaf Salih radhwanullahi ta'ala alayhim and how they have achieved loads of things in short time. Especially the Huffad of Hadith, the scholars, how many pages have they written in their life? How many uh, benefits have they benefited people with? How they, they cared about their time. One of the Salihin, one man stopped, wanted to talk to him and he said, Stop the sun. If you can withhold the sun from moving, then hold the sun for me. If you really want me to spend some time with you, then hold the sun. If you can't hold the sun for me, then, then don't, don't stop me. Because you're stealing from my time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq and barakah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.